Hello, and welcome to Accountability Talks with AGA. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today, in celebration of International Women's Day, our guest is Wendy Morris. She's a partner from BDO, and we talk about work-life balance, work-life fit, a little bit about her career and some advice and ideas she has for women out there trying to make a career in financial management in the government. So without further ado, let's talk to Wendy. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Okay, so today we have a very special presentation. Uh, we're publishing this on International Women's Day and uh, in celebration. We have a woman here today as our guest. Very happy to have Wendy Morris. Hi, Wendy. How are you doing? Hi, good. Thank you for having me, Paul. Absolutely. So we wanted to talk today about, um, you know, kind of work-life fit, you call it, right? Work-life balance. Um, and, you know, just your perspective being a leader, a woman leader in the government, uh, federal government and contractor world, right? So um, why don't we just jump right into it? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, you know, your journey? Where do you work and what do you do? Sure. Thank you so much. Uh, so I'm a partner at BDO. Um, I lead our public sector civilian services practice, uh, which for us is everything other than DOD and Intel. We, mm -hmm. we do have those practices uh, with um, leaders, in my, my colleagues that lead those practices. So I focus on the civilian sector. Mm -hmm. um, I graduated from Maryland uh, with an accounting degree, go Terps, and uh, started my career in the banking industry. So I got a job in internal audit uh, for a, a regional bank and spent a several years there, um, moved up to sort of senior associate, and then decided it was time to do my time in public accounting, because when you get an accounting degree, you're sort of groomed to do that. So um, decided to move into public accounting and thought I'd spend a couple years, went to a big four, uh, 14 years later, <laughs> I left. So I spent a good bit of time there, um, promoted to manager and director while I was in uh, the, the big four world, mm -hmm. and started a family during that time. And I'll talk a little bit about that as well. Um, around um, 2000, while I was still there, I decided to have my first child and took an internal position. Mm -hmm. So I was a learning and education project manager so that I could work from home full time. And But I really missed client service and, and all that. So I came back out. And um, at that time, the commercial world, uh, things were a little tight in what the risk business that we're in. And a lot of the people that I knew and trusted had moved into the public sector. So I was like, it sounds like a lot of acronyms and a lot of bureaucracy, but I sort of packed my suitcase with my skills in internal control and risk. And my timing was really good because it was right around the time that the drafts of A123 Appendix A were coming out, IPIA. So I was able to help build out methodologies and take those across the space and start to build a business in the public sector. Um, so during that time, I was promoted to director and had my um, second child soon thereafter, mm -hmm. my third and fourth. Mm -hmm. So I was having... Um, uh, a busy life with uh, four kids and, and this career. Um, and then around 2011, I moved to a smaller uh, consulting firm and spent about nine years there um, growing a civilian business. And we sold that business to BDO during COVID. So we had the benefit of moving about 80 employees in the middle of COVID, right, mm -hmm. July 2020. Wow. 
Uh, so that was that was a great experience, something I hadn't done before, and I always like to learn new things. Um, so yeah, so and then I've been here now two and a half years, and came in as a direct admit partner, and um, so it's been a, bi- a mix of commercial uh, internal audit as well as public sector type experience, but it's been public sector for probably about twenty years now. Okay. So yeah, I was just thinking IPA. How many times that acronym has changed? Right. Like, I th- <laughs> now it's like PIA. Yeah. It just keeps on. Okay. Yes, it's like, true. I think we get it. Improper payments. All right, moving on. <laughs> um, so we did want to talk about kind of like your life journey. This is you know this is your life or whatever kind of thing. Um, uh, yeah, and again, just to point out some things, you know, some lessons learned as such. So um, why don't we just start off kind of a fun question? But you know, what did you want to do? When you were small, you wanted to grow up. What you, what kind of job or things did you want to do? Well, I thought about this, and uh, you know, to be honest, I think I wanted to be a rock star. <laughs> but as uh, video evidence would support from the last AGA conference in New Orleans, I think I sound a lot better in my head than I do in real life. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm glad I didn't go that. I think we're all glad I didn't go that route. Um, but I did start college as pre-law. Also could have worked out. I do like to argue, and I'm, I can be persuasive, but I just ended up taking business classes and really liked them. So that's yeah. where I ended up. Okay. Well, um, seems like things are working out pretty well for you. <laughs> so, yeah, I could have said firefighter, you know, astronaut. Um, yeah, no, I, I didn't want to be an accountant when I grew up either. Sorry. but I'm not sure who does. Who grows <laughs> up and says that? I'm not sure. But, but you know, my parents were, well, accountant. one was an accountant and one was in the government. So, hello, that's what happened. Can't, <laughs> can't escape go. my destiny. That's right. Um, so, I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned four kids. Um, so, you know, how... How do you kind of multitask between all your work life and your personal life? Um, you know, especially now you're a partner. It's a very, you know, high-level position, a lot of stress, I'm sure, a lot of things to do. How do you juggle all this? Well, I think it's about finding balance. Um, a lot of people say there's no such thing, um, but I believe that there is. And at BDO, we call it work-life fit mm-hmm. um, because it does mean different things to different people, and you have to kind of figure out what it means for you. So for me, I decided to go on a formal, flexible work arrangement when I had my after my first. Mm-hmm. And I stayed on that for 14 years through two companies. Oh, wow. And what that <clears throat> for me was an 80% schedule. So hmm. I worked 80% of the hours you would expect a director to work. So it's not 80% of 40. It's like probably 80% of 50. Hmm. Right. And then um, and then I got 80% of my salary. Mm-hmm. And so the way I did that is I usually worked three long days and then two days a week, I was a stay-at-home mom, and, you know, I treated those days kind of like you would treat your Saturday. If something was important for work, I did it, and if it could wait to the next day, it did. And and for me, it worked well. I had great support from mentors and supervisors to allow me to do that, but also, I think as many working parents are, I, I was pretty efficient. So people would say, you know, well, you get more work done in three days and some people do in five. I don't know if that's true, but, you know, I made, I, I was able to get done what I needed to. And a lot of times, like, my clients didn't even know that I was on a three-day-a-week schedule yeah. because I just made it such that it got done. And that's what was being measured. So 
Um, and, you know, it, it allowed me the flexibility to be there for my family without feeling guilty. I, I always, um, you know, I gave up 20% of my salary to do that. So I didn't feel bad if I wasn't working. Like, right. I wasn't trying to make a charitable contribution to the firm. Um, and I think that's what is important. You have to be confident in, you know, sticking to what plan it is that you come up with that works for you. Um, but I think it allowed me the flexibility that I needed. Um, and I had a nanny, which was helpful. Um, it's more cost effective than foreign daycare for sure. But that allowed me the flexibility of, you know, not having to be at a daycare pickup at a certain time, or if I needed to switch my days, the nanny could switch. So, you know, I had to create a a childcare situation that was also flexible. So I think flexibility is the key because it's not about just the firm you work for being flexible. It's mm-hmm. also about you being flexible. Right. So if, for example, my client needed to have a meeting on a Tuesday and that was my off day, I didn't say I don't work on Tuesday. Right. I figured it out and maybe took off on Thursday instead. You know, So mm-hmm. it's about I think everybody has to be flexible for that to work. And um, that that's what worked for me. Um, and I've had folks that have worked for me through the years that have done variations mm-hmm. of flexible situations. For example, I have a manager that works for me now that works, you know, uh, I think it's maybe a few hours in the morning, mm-hmm. a few hours in the afternoon, and a couple hours at night. Yeah. And that's what works for her. So we have a, a formal plan. But she's flexible when she needs to be. And so are we. Um, And it's not just working moms. You know, I had an employee who um, had decided he wanted to become a pastor Mm. and decided that he needed to not have the expectation of all the extra things that is often required of us in this business, right? He just wanted to show up and do the nine to five and be able to go home and not feel bad about that. Mm-hmm. So we, we made an agreement that that was what he was going to do and he was going to be able to be successful at work as well as, um, as a pastor. And he was. Yeah, interesting. So. Well, that tells you about American work culture that, you know, we think 40 hours is not enough. You got to work uh, more. You got to be available around the clock. Yeah. Like, and really? especially these days with yeah. COVID and people working from home, it, it's a challenge sometimes to know when to turn it on and turn it off and yeah. that type of thing. I'm just curious. So, when you were in this flexible agreement, was were you doing government work or were you doing private sector? Um, let me think. Pretty much was I did a little bit of private sector. The first mm-hmm. couple of years was private sector, but most of that time was government work. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah. Uh, the reason I was saying that's because you know that is a challenge sometimes we face. You know, the government wants us to work on their schedule, not on our schedule. It's like you got to be here forty days a week. You got to be here every day. You know, I mean, forty hours a week. You know, so. So how do you get them to kind of go along with the flexible agreement, too? You know, yeah. I don't know if you know that. but Yeah, well, it's funny. Uh, Ashley and I were talking about this over lunch. Um, you know, I think when you have the opportunity to prove that you're a valuable contributor before you do it, there you go. it gives you the, the chips to cash when you say, okay, well... You know, I can't work full time anymore. So you can either have some of me or none of me. None, exactly. Right? And if you do good work and people want you there and you add value, then you have the chips to cash to say, well, this is what I need. And you have to be confident enough to ask for what you need because you may be surprised that people will accommodate. You know, if you're you're providing value, people will accommodate what you need. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, in government, I mean, 
they're still a little slower sometimes to get to you know more innovative policies and ideas like this. I know that I used to work in the government, and you know you have these options. This is your telework or your flexible schedule or four days a week or ten or whatever, and that's it. There's nothing yes, else. Yes, yes. You know, and it's like I think things are modernizing finally, especially with COVID. You had to, right? Yeah. So. I, well, I, it is. It's interesting because so many of our clients were very rigid about work yeah. location, and yeah. now it's like they can't really argue that anymore. Yeah. Right. Um. Well, yeah, that's really interesting. I love that. I, yeah, and I'm hoping this is going to continue to evolve throughout all workplaces, you know, ideas like that. Um, so let's talk a little about uh, your, your leadership, a little different topic here. You know, um, you know, obviously you're a leader. Um, you know, tell us about what is your style? How do you, how do you lead people? And uh, what, do you, what kind of advice do you usually give people? All right. Well, I think that um, a few things have influenced my leadership style um, I think mentors have shaped my leadership style. You know, I tend to identify the behaviors that I liked and in in leaders that I worked for, and then I seek to emulate that. And some of the some of examples of that um, would be, you know, trust and give opportunity. Mm. You know, I I trust people um, to take things on and figure it out and you might not get it right the first time, but I think that's how you learn. Um, I I like to give people enough guidance as necessary, but also some room to kind of do it your way. And that, I think I've learned that over time, you know, as you move up in your career, you have to learn to let go of the details and the control of the situation. So I probably have gotten better at that as I've gotten more mature in my, um, in my career. But I think, People giving me those types of opportunities gave me the confidence to tackle challenges that, you know, often in our business, you know, you're 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 served up a problem and there isn't a methodology or a checklist to it. You have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So I think giving people room to explore and try and try to solve problems is um, I think it's appreciated from the people that work for me seem to appreciate the flexibility that that provides. Um, and it gives you to, a chance to own your own career, you know, make of it mm-hmm. what you see. Um, the The second thing is I'm very much like an open door type mm-hmm. leader. Um, I don't really care whether you're a consultant or a partner. Like if you need something, call me, message me, teams me, text me, right. whatever. You know, I think um, people don't abuse that and it is – it creates an environment that allows people it, it kind of goes hand in hand with the trust thing mm-hmm. because if you give people room to explore they have to have a f- safe place to go ask questions right. or they may very well fail so you have to have both and so for me i think that open door style works well for me i enjoyed having direct access to people that mm-hmm. i learned from and so i think I've created a similar culture in my teams and my leaders that work with me, I think, have the same approach. And I think it's appreciated. Let me ask you on that because, you know, a lot of folks, you know, they, they do try to do the open door. And then it's like, there's nobody at my door, you know. <laughs> so people are maybe still intimidated or don't really know how to approach. I mean, what would you tell folks like that? How did you get to prod people to come to your door, you know? I, I think it's about how you treat them when they come to the door. Mm-hmm. I think people, some people like to say they're open door, but then when you come to the door, you get like a side eye and, right. and that's not the right way to do it. I think yeah. if people, 
people do come and they ask questions and they're treated respectfully and then yeah. they get the confidence to come back. I don't I don't really have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. I think you worry I worry more that people are gonna line up at the door and then when am I gonna get my work done? Like but I don't professor. have that happen yeah. either. <laughs> you know, I think I think that it's somehow it works out to be the right balance. And I think maybe also because the people that work for me directly have the same philosophy. So people are also going to their door, you know, and I think that that's helpful. Um, Another uh, thing I've learned in kind of a description of my style would be um, recognition of others. I think, you know, I appreciate when people recognize me, even just a thank you or Mm -hmm. good job. And I think recognizing people publicly is always good. And I try to take the time to do that as much as I can and I probably could even do more of that because I think it motivates people it motivates me so I think it motivates people um to to at least be acknowledged for the good good things that you do and then one of my mentors always used to tell me there's never a good time to take a vacation so Mm. you just have to do it I gotta learn that one (laughs) (laughs) and I think some people are good at some people that you know exhaust their vacation every year and they're maybe taking it we have some of those but we have a lot of people that are leaving vacation on the table because they don't take a break and I really think it's important to find that balance because you need to take a break and if you're waiting for everything to be perfect and and, and on track before you do that, you, you'll never do it. Well, so. you lose your edge, too. I mean, you cannot be focused forever like that. You burn out. Yeah. You, you, you start forgetting things, messing things up, no matter how good you are. Yeah. You have to take a break of some kind. And I always have renewed energy when you come mm-hmm. back. You're like, all right, I'm ready to get back, you know? But, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you need to do that. So I think life experience, uh, aside from those mentors that have emulated these behaviors, I think my life experiences have influenced my leadership style um, in a couple ways. Um, my sister passed away when she was 24 in the year 2000. And um, I also started my family sh- right around that time. And I think that gave me a lot of perspective. You know, mm-hmm. life is short and this is a job, right? Yeah. Like, and I don't say that lightly. Like, I like my job, right? right? I love my job and I love what I do and, and the career I've created. However, family comes first for me, family mm-hmm. comes first. And so, I've done my best to be present for my family and miss as few things as possible. And I just think it's about prioritization right. um, and and having the confidence to do what works for you. Well, those customers and clients and coworkers, they have family too. That's so right. you would think they would appreciate that and they can take care of their family too. And I think I've been lucky because I have had clients and supervisors and mentors that had the same values not in all cases, um, but I've, I, you have choices, right? Yeah. So if you find yourself in a situation where people's priorities are not in alignment with yours, mm-hmm. there's other jobs out there, you know? Right. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's very few things that are permanent in life. So, And I think just being a working mom in and of itself has shaped my, um, my management style. And yeah. I already shared some examples mm-hmm of ways that I've helped people come up with flexible schedules that work for them. And it's not always about less hours. It's just about what is it that you want to do? When do you want to do it? What works for you? And, and believe it or not, not that many people come forward and ask for those things. So either they're fine with the way things are, or they're not confident enough to ask, which Mm -hmm. I would encourage people to ask for what you need because you might be surprised. I always say you don't ask, you don't get. 
That's right. And <laughs> I, I can't read a mind. I don't know. You exactly. Know. So I think, you know, it may not always work, but I think finding, like, the work-life fit for everybody is what's important. And what works for you is not what's going to work for someone else. Everybody's different. So. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so another area, you know, everything's not just roses and sunshine, right? So, you know, are there any particular barriers you may have come across? And, uh, you know, how did you kind of overcome those? Sure. It's not all roses and rainbows. Oh, man. <laughs> Once in <Yeah>. a while. <laughs> you're right. You're right. No, I think that um, in reality, going on a flexible work arrangement for me, it did slow down my career progression. Mm-hmm. So I stayed, I was sort of fast track from, you know, right out of school. I was a senior within two years. I was a manager within another year. Mm-hmm. Then I stayed a manager for a really long time. And then I stayed a director for a really long time. Those two spots were very long in my career. And so that, but I just accepted that that was the Mm trade-off, right? Because the reality is I wasn't working 50 hours a week, doing every single thing that was needed to get to the next level. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, that was... I don't, I don't want to say it was a barrier. It was just more of a, a trade-off consequence of right. my choice, and, and I was okay with that. Um, at times, it was frustrating, for sure. You know, like, right. oh, my gosh, I've been a manager forever. You're killing me. But, um, but I understood in the, long, in the long haul, it made sense. Um, and, you know, even after I came off flexible work arrangement, I, I basically said to my supervisor at the time, um, my partner, I said, you know, I uh, I can work full time, but I'm not coming to Tyson's five days a week because mm-hmm. this was way before COVID, and I live out near Annapolis, mm. so it's a long commute, and I'm I can't do that. I can't manage my house with four kids and commute every day for right. five days a week. So. Right away, even after, so I I was used to being, quote, unquote, off on Tuesdays and Fridays. Those days just became my work from home days. So I would go in three days a week and work from home two days a week. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of how I found balance. I was still full time, but I still adjusted. And then then here comes COVID. And next thing you know, we're all working from home a lot. And so that's that's been helpful. But the other thing from a, a challenge perspective is... It goes back to what I talked about as one of my leadership styles is about trust. Like trust mm-hmm. is way high on my scale of things that are important. And and that's both at home and, and at work. And um, when I think about barriers, it, what, what comes to my mind is where I've hit a wall with people that turned out to not be people I trusted. Mm-hmm. But to what I said earlier, then I, I left. Right. Like I, I changed my situation because that's what's within my control. I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't make you a trustworthy person. I can't, you know, change that, but I can change my situation and put myself in a place where I'm working with and around people I trust because life's too short not to do that. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. There's a barrier. I mean, you just go around, do something else. You don't have to be stuck in that situation. Right. You know, especially in this you know, D.C., there's so many jobs, so many things that we do. I mean, yeah. if you get stuck in a crazy situation, you got to get out of it. Yeah. Well, and it goes back to, like, the the confidence to do what you need to do for you and to mm-hmm. set your own priorities and make that. 
it's not easy. Right. It, none of that is easy. Change is not easy. Right. Um, but that's for me, that's kind of what I, the way I looked at it. So. Okay. Well, great. So um, another here, since, you know, again, we were talking about International Women's Day. I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, you know, how do you think we, the audience here, can better support working women, uh, working mothers, uh, to pursue more senior leadership roles in their career? You know, you just mentioned you, you felt like you got stuck in certain places for a while. You know, what, what can we do to support folks? Yeah, I think listening is is the key, right? So on the flip side, I, I talked about people need to have the confidence to ask for what they want. Yep. And we as leaders have to be aware that people are asking us for something or look for the signs that someone's struggling and reach out to them and find out what's going on. You know, tell, I, you know, I, I think 99% of the people that work for me are very transparent about what's going on in their life. And you don't have to be, but it helps. I have found it helps a lot because we're all people and we're empathetic to support each other. And, you know, for me, I've had times where, you know, my daughter had, um, significant mental health challenges throughout her teen years and there were times I where life at home was really hard and I needed to share that with the people that worked around me hmm. so that they could understand what I was yeah. dealing with and not be take it personally because I was not present at a meeting or because maybe I was short-tempered because I was really upset about what's going on, you know? And so I think you have to, as leaders, we need to listen so that we can seek to understand what challenges people are having, um, parents or, or otherwise, not just working parents Mm -hmm. and then help create solutions that work for people. Um, and you know, I, I, I can think of dozens of examples where that's, that's happened and you just have to have a, your finger on the pulse of what's going on with your people and, and, you know, in a bigger organization, you know, I have about 60 people inside my team. Mm-hmm. I certainly am not keeping a pulse on each of them, right. but I've set up an expectation that the culture is that we are, mm-hmm. right? It's the care and feeding of our people. People have ed- career advisors. They have supervisors. There's multiple people in, in the matrix that are right. responsible to have their pulse on what's going on with people. Yeah. And let's be good people. And take care of each other and, and listen and see what's going on with others. So um, I think that that's, you know, at the end of the day, there's not like one answer to sort of what works for everyone. So I think people need to ask for what they need and people need to listen and be open to alternatives. Right. Yeah. And I, I like that you kind of build a culture of that, you know, and you, you said, tell your supervisors, hey, look out for this. And then it all kind of spreads throughout the, the organization. Yeah. You know, because you're right. I mean, you can't, if you don't know what's going on with somebody, they might have something happening that you're not aware, kind of be on the lookout, maybe see some signs. Yeah. I think yeah. that's important. For yeah, sure. definitely. Um, well, I just had a couple more questions for you here. Uh, one of them is inspiration. You know, what inspires you or any particular role models or mentors or, you know, who has inspired you in your career there? So I, I gave this one a lot of thought, and what I really landed on is maybe not what you're expecting, but I think the answer is my kids inspire me. Okay. All you right. know, so, you know, I want to be a good role model um, of a working parent for them. 
so that they can be successful working parents as well. Um, you know, I'm motivated to do well so I can provide for them and give them the things they need, even though my 15-year-old is very spoiled right now, so um, I think she's got plenty. Um, but I think um, at the end of the day, my oldest daughter, I mentioned, had you know mental health challenges, and she's worked really hard over the last 10 years, and she's doing great. She's at a place where she's happy and healthy, and I think that inspires me to be conscious of mental health issues, which are so important these days, and, and they're pretty prevalent as far as, you know, we've got people all around us that maybe everybody's got something, sure. you know, everybody's yeah. struggling with something. And I think um, that motivates me to be supportive. And my kids are athletes. And so, you know, they've demonstrated the hard work and determination that is necessary to have success on and off the field. And I think that's inspirational too. So they're my reasons why. So as I think about that, that's what I came up with. Hey, it makes sense. One of the primary reasons you're on the earth, right, to get these kids growing up the right way and learning the right things. I like it. Definitely <laughs> the biggest challenge. I tell them, like, you you know, when you make mistakes, I'm like, look, you guys did not come with an instruction manual, <laughs> and I'm doing the best I can here. So right. <laughs> I think that's what all we can do. All right, so one last question for you, and again, on uh, honoring International Women's Day here. What would be, uh, you know, what's a, what's a message you'd want to get out there to young women thinking about their careers, you know, kind of what we've been talking about today, all these these areas? You know, what's something, a message you'd put out, inspiration here for them? Well, I think that, you know, the key f- from my perspective is you don't you don't have to choose, in other words, you can you don't have to choose motherhood or career. You can have both. Um, there will be trade-offs that you have to consider, and you have to be flexible, but I think you can expect flexibility and ask for what you need, and don't make assumptions. Don't assume, oh, no, I could never do that. Um, I think be valuable, right? Because if you're valuable, you've earned the chips that you can cash to... Yeah get what you need and um, do your best. And we, Ashley and I were talking earlier about the, uh, the fact that people with COVID that are working from home, you know, they, they needed to demonstrate their value and be trustworthy. And you've earned the right to continue to do that work from wherever you are, if you're doing good work. So do your best Mm -hmm. and, you know, be healthy and happy because that's what matters most at the end of the day. This is a job. And, you know, you do have choices when it comes to, like, making choices. I chose to leave commercial industry because it was going to require me to stay traveling 80% all the time and probably ask me to move. I was in the financial services industry, and I was going to be asked to move to New York or Charlotte or San Francisco, and I didn't want to move for my family. So I chose to go learn the alphabet soup, soup of public sector. And because the government's here in D.C. and, you know, I could probably not have to travel so much. So you make choices to navigate. Like I, I couldn't have predicted where I'd be today, but you make choices along the way that work for you and for your family. And hopefully you can find the work-life fit that works for you. Yeah, great message. Well, thank you. Uh, so Wendy, for being here today, this was really illuminating. I really appreciate hearing your story and sharing it with us today. And, uh, Yeah, thanks again. Yeah, thank uh, you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. AGACGFM.org is where you go to see them all or 
download them to your favorite device. And we have a lot more coming up this year. A lot of guests here ready to go, ready to uh, give us some great podcast content. But until that next time, this is your host, Paul Marshall, signing off for Accountability Talks with AGA. Thank you.